Well, if you haven't noticed, caucus season is in full swing. Maybe you got stuck in traffic this weekend downtown. But it's really causing me to have some flashbacks from my childhood. All these people in Iowa walking the streets, knocking on doors, asking people questions. It's bringing back a lot of repressed memories. I grew up a door knocker. Not for political campaigns, no, we door knocked for salvation. But the strategy was quite simple, really. We would study our neighborhood, it was similar, rather, and we target certain parts of the neighborhood we thought had a large amount of undecided souls, really. People who weren't committed one way or the other. They weren't good people because they didn't go to our church, but they weren't bad people either. They probably wanted to be good, so we would go to their house, we'd knock on the doors. We had people, organizers really, who trained us how to do this. This guy named Larry West, who was the expert, and he came and would do seminars on our church with these big flow charts on how to have conversations, and he gave us a question that we'd ask. We'd knock on the door, they'd answer, and they'd open the door, and we'd smile at them, and we'd say, I remember this by heart, if you were to die today, you know for sure, without a doubt, that you would go to heaven and be with him eternally. Well, there's only two possible answers, yes or no, in our mind. If they said yes, well, we'd say, well, we haven't seen you in our church. Are you sure? And then we had a Bible, and the Bible had uh, page numbers. And you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? So it was kind of like that. It was, well, if they said yes, then you turn to this scripture. And this scripture says, well, you know, in church, you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Does your church do this? Well, no. And then we turn to this scripture. They say no and yes. And we follow it all the way to the end, which always resulted or rather never resulted, though we hope that it always would result in us leaving then. And like the Philly, uh, I can't even say the word, like, like the eunuch, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch to Philip in the uh, book of Acts, who they're riding along the chair and they say, look, there's water. What, what keeps me from being baptized right now? And that's how we plan this conversation to end. Hey, don't you have a baptistry at your church? Well, as a matter of fact, we warmed it up this morning. Come and be saved. Well, it didn't quite end that way. But we felt good that we had done our duty. Now, my problem was that I didn't like door knocking. I was a good Christian, I thought, but I avoided door knocking like the plague. And it left me feeling Guilty, Because if I didn't ask them this question that had been given to them, does that given to me to give to them? Does that mean that their eternal soul was in my hands? Am I guilty of them never hearing the gospel because I never went and knocked on their door? And I carried this guilt with me into college. Nobody taught me any better. And I was sitting in college in Nashville, Tennessee, behind a beautiful woman with curly hair. Marty, sorry. And we were learning how to translate Greek. We had gone through beginner Greek and we're sitting in this class, Greek readings, one. And we were translating our text from this morning, 1 John chapter 1. It's a letter, presumably from the apostle John, who wrote the gospel of John, Jesus' disciple. The one we say is the disciple whom Jesus loved, who always talks about love in the gospel. And then in this letter, 1 John. And the Greek In this text is very simple. That's why they give it to beginner students to translate. It's easy for us to handle. 
It's repetitive. It's straightforward. The vocab is easy. The grammar, very simple and basic. And I remember we sat there and we translated this text that was so simple And yet my mind began to go in so many different directions. These words written by the Apostle Paul shook my world. Now, we're going to spend the next few Sundays looking at highlights from this whole letter from 1 John. It's stuck way back in our Bibles. Were we to make you flip to it this morning instead of looking your handy dandy bulletin, you probably would have a hard time finding it. It's not very thick. It's way in the back, and we rarely study it outside of Bible college or seminary classes, but we're missing out. First John is small, it's simple, it's straightforward, but it says all that really needs to be said about salvation and describes what it means to be a church. This book is deep and life-changing. Now, we're calling the series The Fellowship of God. Fellowship is a favorite word of the author of this book. It's the preferred word for the church, this fellowship, koinonia. You heard it read a moment ago. We have fellowship with God and with Christ Jesus and with one another. We're all in this fellowship together. And then the writer spends the rest of the letter really explaining what it means to be in fellowship together and in fellowship with Christ. Over the next three Sundays, we'll look at different characteristics of this. The ones that are on the front of your bulletin in that picture, saved, called, and sent. Three characteristics of the church. This is also what we call around here stewardship season. Now, you may have flashbacks yourself when you hear that word stewardship. Old sermons, times in churches of the past that filled you with guilt because you're not giving enough, because you should give more We're celebrating around here. We're not transacting in guilt at Norwalk Christian Church because God's doing things. We've got a a great year. Gary shared with us, I think it was last week, maybe or two weeks ago, how we're ending our year in the positive and we're expanding our budget next year because we anticipate greater giving. We're adding things new and bringing back things that we haven't done in a while, able to do more ministry because of the generosity of this church. So we're not dealing with guilt When we talk about stewardship, we're celebrating and we're looking at ways we can commit to support God's ministry through our prayers, through our gifts and through our own calling and talents. On the welcome table outside, a fresh copy of our narrative budget. You'll see it out there as you leave today. It's called the Fellowship of God as well. Hmm, What a coincidence. Uh, And in it, it talks about all that we do. The back has this. A nifty spreadsheet for you spreadsheet folks. And I know there's a few of you out there that lays it all out. Um, But the first two pages front and back really tell the narrative of what we do as a church in our different areas of ministry, a nice pie chart, which breaks down how our giving a few years ago, we split up our salaries into different uh, compartments so that we got a better sense of, of what we do, where we spend our money, that our personnel costs actually aren't just there to, to pay people, but translate into ministry. And so that tells the narrative of our church and we'll have a vote to approve that budget into uh, next week. Also next week, we'll vote on, as uh, Doug mentioned earlier, our board members, these people who've stepped up to serve our church. We'll have our annual congregational meeting, talk about all that's going on. And then in two weeks from now, we'll have what we call Commitment Sunday. Next week, we'll give you a little card. It's a chance for you to kind of think about, well, how do I want to commit financially to the church? But also on the back, it'll be a chance for you to say, to reflect prayerfully, how do I want to commit to the ministries of this church? 
Maybe there's some way that I can step up so that I'm not just sitting here and watching, but I'm a part of the life of this church. And so I hope we all prayerfully consider how we can better serve this church. That's my public service announcement. Thank you. But back to my door knocking flashbacks. I know what you're thinking. Why would anyone in their right mind go walking around knocking on the doors of strangers to talk about church? That's a great question. But see, for us, we had no option. Salvation, as we understood it, was this transaction. This is what you have to do to be saved. You quid pro quo, as they say in the news all the time. You do this and you get that. You do these right actions, be it a prayer or a baptism or something that you have to do. And God will give you the get out of hell free card. You don't do it. Well, then you know what happens. And we would do it because we didn't want their souls on our hands. And I would guess that most of us here today don't really believe that, or at least not anymore. But what exactly do we believe about salvation? We know what we don't believe, but what is salvation? We don't like the fear. We don't like the guilt, and we're surely not going to go door knocking. So what is it? First John 1 is all about salvation. Yet it doesn't once mention baptism or hell. Instead, it talks about this journey, walking. This is the message we have heard from Jesus and proclaimed to you, the writer says, that God is light. In God, there is no darkness at all. It's impossible for darkness to be in God. If we say that we have fellowship with God while we are walking in darkness, well, we lie. And we do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, journey in the light as God himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, those are simple verses to translate in Greek. I can do it. It's simple. But what they say is pretty deep and life changing. If we walk in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. If you're walking in the light, the blood of Jesus is always cleansing you from sin. It's about a journey. Now, we often ask, when were you saved? That's a question uh, often asked. It assumes a date. A time, a place in 1990 in August on a Wednesday night, I was baptized. A date, a moment. But if we were to ask the author of 1 John, when were you saved? I imagine he'd looked at us, look at us a little confused. Well, I don't know that I have been saved, really. I mean, I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm learning. I'm following Christ. I would say I'm in the light, but to say I've arrived... Well, I haven't been saved, but I am being saved. When were you saved? Well, maybe not yet. Maybe there's a moment that you choose to start this journey. Maybe you were born on the journey. Your parents just drug you along and here you are still journeying towards Christ. But whatever that moment you began, that is not the end, but merely the beginning. A journey, a lifetime journey of becoming like Christ. And even some of the ancients believe that after we die, we still don't arrive, but we spend eternity learning and growing into God's likeness. We aren't there yet. It's a journey. But guess what? You don't have to be there yet. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be walking in the light. Which direction are you walking? 
This message from 1 John changed my understanding of salvation and of God because God is no longer a log keeper, keeping record of what we did right and wrong. Instead, God is the creator of all, inviting us, leading us on a journey. Come with me, God says. Follow me, as Jesus says in the gospel. God is assembling a traveling group called the church. And we're walking together in the light. Together, we transform our hearts in worship and testify to what God is doing in this world. Together, we practice what it means to have joy in the midst of sorrow. Together, we learn how to bear one another's burdens. Together, we practice forgiveness because Lord knows we need it. And we show each other love and grace. Together, we practice generosity. Together, we work for justice here among ourselves and among this world because we've thrown aside guilt. Guilt doesn't belong in the light. That's for the darkness. We've thrown aside fear. Fear doesn't belong in the light. That's for the darkness. Because God's love, perfect love, casts out fear. We've given up the pressure to be perfect and to get everything right. And we're joining with God and with all the saints who've gone on before us in a journey. And maybe this journey takes us out and we knock on some doors. But it's not to tell people why they're not in, but to invite them on this journey so that they too can experience eternal love and the fellowship of a people who are called by God to journey with them. Now, that's the kind of fellowship we're about here at Norwalk Christian Church. And we go on this journey in a variety of ways. As some of you teach people English, you're entering a journey with those women. You're getting involved in one man. Actually, I can't just say those women anymore. Two men. Oh, congrats. Yeah, we're growing. And you're going on a journey and you're helping them with their kids and school and to fill out paperwork and how to learn how to be a part of a community that's not always welcoming, either intentionally or unintentionally. To people who come from different places and speak different languages. You, every time you teach them, you open up a new world. You open up a piece of our culture and our community. New opportunities, new chances to grow and develop. You are shining more light on them and sharing the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, as you walk on the journey with them. That's the kind of fellowship some of you have as you walk alongside our youth and our children, be it here on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or at school or whenever you interact with them. You listen to their struggles. You teach them to pray. You love them even when they mess up because that's what love's about. You create a space for love and for grace, for welcome and for home where they're always welcome. You join them on the journey of your life and you shine light on them. And share the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's what a lot of you do when you serve in a variety of ways, be it in the mobile food pantry or the Norwalk food pantry or out in the community with things like Lions Club or the Chamber or Rotary or you volunteer for organizations like Helping Hands or you make prayer shawls or you get involved with the justice work that Amos does. So many places, so many ways You shine light in the world and go on the journey to bring our world to look more like Christ. Because this journey we're on is about salvation and about us living like Christ and becoming more like Christ. It's not about getting everything right, but about living a life of service so that all may see light in the midst of darkness. To shine more light in all those dark corners in our community. Brothers and sisters, members of the fellowship of God that is Norwalk Christian Church, those who are being saved, we're not perfect. And praise God, we don't have to be. 
But we are walking in the light. Our faces are pointed towards the light of God. And we have fellowship with God and with Christ and with one another. We're on a journey together and the journey's not over. May we always continue this journey. And as we walk, let's bring more and more people with us on this fellowship of God. As we share in God's saving light and love all whom we meet, will the fellowship of God who believe in the light of God say amen. Amen. And let us sing of God's amazing grace. Number 546. And we're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4 as we prepare to join together in communion.